boy. It is Friday. It is episode 163, and we have the one and only David Bowie himself, Thomas Nicholson, (laughs) coming on the show. Yes. This is a really fun and entertaining interview. I mean, obviously, we talk about the Arrowverse and, and all that good stuff, and David Bowie in the 80s. That's it right there. David Bowie, the 80s, and the Arrowverse, that should be enough, right? But we get deep because you guys know that's what we do, and we talk about some old-timers and some stuff that's important to them and everything. So uh, you you don't want to miss this one. You You really don't. You really don't. Well, now let's get into it. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly! Episode 163. We're super excited, but also a little sad, because you guys know we're well underway in pre-production of our short film deadline, so... We will be taking a small break from the podcast. This will be our last episode for at least the next three, three to four weeks. So just want to let you guys know, PSA, public service announcement. It's sad, but it's definitely necessary, man. But we're excited, and we hope you are as well. Yes. Because it's a lot of work. And, and I mean, shooting starts. Like, like we literally start the cameras rolling in three weeks. So... I mean, we can't, <laughs> we can't do this. We got to like focus there, and exactly. so you know. But you guys are gonna love the film. It's gonna be fantastic. You'll be able to see it, and and I mean, so don't worry, we'll be back. We I mean, will. we're not. Yeah, we'll be back. Of course, we gotta make that film, and then we'll be back. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you guys know your host with the most, myself, J Lo, fantastic, and the one and only Mouse. What's up, guys? We have a whole bunch of stuff to oh talk my about. Goodness, finally. Confirmation from Marvel, Moon Knight is fine. I mean, we talked about this, what, like, it seems like half a year ago yeah. that they rumored Isaac coming on board. But now we finally got some confirmation. Yes. We got some more casting in Secret Wars. We got a whole bunch of more casting from a whole bunch of different projects that we're super excited to talk about. But before we get everything started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. There's new merchandise out right now celebrating Pride Month. That's about to come up. We're super pumped about that. And today is the last day for Mm -hmm. our 20% off sale. So be sure to head over to crazyantmedia.com, click on the merchandise tab, and get a little crazy, guys. Yes, indeed. We're super excited, though. We're super freaking excited. Well, let's get started. Well, we got CineCon. CinemaCon. Oh, man. It's a great sign for moviegoers everywhere. An annual convention of movie theater owners known as CinemaCon has announced that all of the major players and notable mid-sized film operations will present at the annual Las Vegas gathering. And that includes Walt Disney Studios, Universal Pictures, Paramount, Warner Brothers, and last year's holdout Sony Pictures releasing, as well as Focus Pictures. Pictures, Lionsgate, MGM, Amazon's new acquisition. Oh man, we're so super excited to talk about that a little bit later. And uh, distribution arm United Artists releasing will uh, all present their big screen wares to exhibitors at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Getting fancy, getting fancy. And that's supposed to come August 23rd through the 26th. And according to a Friday email that sent out today, organizers, organizers staged in Caesars Coliseum Theater, uh, CinemaCon Sears gimmicky stunts, star cameos, and plenty of exclusive footage 
to theater owners and the film season ahead. So things are turning the corner, yeah. guys. Why, why is this huge? Because if the studios were completely bailing on theatrical releases and solely focused on streamers, they would not be worrying about showing up here to show their exactly. shit to the theater owners, right? So this is huge news. This is just a sign that it's not over. They do care about theatrical release. They, they might only want it to be like 30 days or, you know, but they still do care. And they're all showing up, all five majors and the minis. So, you know, they're all in. And that's great news. And just a little check mark on that, little to put an end to that story real quick. AMC, Cinemark, and Carmike Cinemas, all, if you're vaccinated, mask-free. You don't yeah. have to wear masks inside the theater. So there you go. Exactly. The, the studios aren't bailing on them, and you can go back without a mask. So I'm thinking we're going to do all right in the movie theaters. You know, I hope so anyway. Exactly. Light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Man, I, and I mean, I guess now we're talking Disney. Let's yeah. get into it. All right. Well, Marvel Studios, if you guys saw for sure, released the first trailer for Chloe Zhao's Eternals, which, as you guys know, is set to release on uh, theaters November theaters november 5th the marvel cinematic universe's latest space outing will follow an immortal alien race called the eternals duh who have secretly lived on earth for thousands of years now the heroes possess all kinds of different powers and abilities. If you're not a comic book like Geek and me, and you're not familiar with what they are, let's do it. Eternals is primarily an ensemble film. But Kevin Feige did say that if he had to pick if there was a leader or a lead character, it would be Gemma Chan's Cersei. Now, posing... Uh, as a museum curator on Earth, Cersei is an empathetic eternal who possesses the ability to manipulate matter. Mm. Richard Madden plays Icarus, the all-powerful leader of the Eternals who can fly, shoot beams of cosmic energy from his eyes, and has super strength. Angelina Jolie plays Thena, a warrior who can create any weapon out of cosmic energy. Lauren Ridoff plays Makari, the first deaf superhero in the MCU, and Brian Tyree Henry will play Fastos, the uh, first openly gay superhero in the MCU. Don Lee is Giglamesh, Kumal Najanji, who's everybody's like freaking out because he's all buff as shit now, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, is Kingo. Selma Hayek plays Ajak. Uh, Leah McHugh is Sprite. Barry Kingong plays Druig. And Kit Harrington is Dane Whitman, a.k.a., if you're a comic book geek, the Black Knight. Now, here's a little thing that you might not have known. Chloe approached Marvel about doing the Eternals. Mm. It was, she was like a fan of them and thought this would be an interesting kind of a thing. And she approached them and apparently they agreed. And so there you go. Um, a few things. I thought the trailer was fucking hilarious. Um, in a good way. They made reference to Cap and Iron Man not being there anymore and who's going to do the Avengers, who's going to run the Avengers. They kind of said that they've been hanging around for all these millennials and like now they're interfering. And so everybody was like, why the fuck didn't you interfere with Thanos? By the way, guys, if you're not a comic book geek, I'm just going to throw this out there for you because you might find it very interesting and it will play heavily into the storyline, I'm sure. Um, uh, uh, uh. And now, now why can't I... Th- Angelina Jolie. There she is. There she is. Her character is Thanos' cousin. Oh. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Could that be why they didn't interfere with Thanos? Mm. Maybe. Possibly. But them... Whoosh, 
throwing that out there. Keep that in memory. So that I think that's going to play heavily into it. Yeah, I'm that's. I mean, that's really cool. And I mean, watching the trailer. I mean, that's a squad. There's like. I mean, seriously, six to seven people all in that squadron. Like, it's absolutely insane. So I'm very intrigued on how they're going to balance out the character dialogue and the storylines because i mean you know they these are some very important characters and with all of those major actors attached i'm sure they're wanting their characters to go <laughs> deep diving into those storylines that's right so, you know they counted line counts in them scripts oh yeah, right there for like, sure. screen time who's getting what exactly and look truth is this is like their riskiest movie yet. Yeah. Because if you're not a comic book fan, you have no fucking idea who these people are, yeah. right? So this is going to be interesting, I think. It's yeah. going to be fun, though. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. And we're hearing from our sources that Black Panther's sister herself will be in with the Wakanda series for Disney Plus, and we're super excited about that. And it's kind of obvious, duh, when they announce this, and after the tragic passing, I mean, duh, it's going to revolve around her character, which I'm super excited no, no, about. No, this isn't her. This is the leader of the from oh. the Walking Dead. Yeah, oh. yeah, Danai Guerrera. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I- I'm sure. Suri's gonna show up yeah, in it. You would think. I, I mean, you would think. Anyway, she has signed on to to uh, Okio. She is gonna uh, apparently lead a Disney Plus series, and and I mean, we think obviously it would be the Wakanda Forever series. I mean, it, it only seems like that would be natural for her to lead that series. But I think you're right. I think we're gonna see countless people from. Black Panther show up on that series. Agreed. Like, what is the point to do it? If not, we've already seen some of them show up in, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so yeah. it only makes sense. It's super it exciting. And like we teased a little bit earlier, seven months after we first told you. That's crazy. Seven freaking months. Uh, Oscar Isaac is officially cast as Moon Knight. And, I mean, everybody's been just assuming this for the past <laughs> seven to six months. So, I mean, I'm super excited about it, but I had no idea he was 42 years old, so that's very interesting. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, all these actors come in, they still look like they're in their prime, so I'm not worried about that <laughs> at all. Uh, it's unclear why it took Marvel so long to confirm one of Hollywood's worst-kept secrets, but we're super excited about it, and I am i can't wait to see him in this series. Absolutely. it's gonna, and, and I'm glad they're going with the, with the character because there's been several dozen Moon Knight interpretations and the egyptian by far is the best so I, i'm excited to sell for that and duh everybody knew it was coming yeah up. exactly this one we did not know was coming though and i'm super excited about this one christopher mcdonald you know him from happy gilmore the nemesis of happy is the latest big name to join samuel L. jackson and ben mendelson in secret invasion mm. what now okay you guys know upcoming series right We've talked about this relentlessly, that Jackson and Mendelssohn are going to revive their roles as, as Fury and, and the Scroll from Captain Marvel, where they first met, right? Now, who is he playing? We don't know, Mm-mm. because it's being kept under wraps, um, as always. And as you guys know, he's joining like a huge cast, not just... Uh, uh, Jackson and Mendelssohn, but also Olivia Coleman, the Queen herself, Amelia Clark, Kingsley Bendare, and Killian Scott. I mean, this is a huge cast. Yeah. Like, they're not... Remember when they wanted to cast, like, nobodies? Right. And exactly. now they're, like, just these huge stars All that are All the A-listers in Hollywood are going to be in a Marvel film. It's... Marvel has become, like, the Batman series from the 1960s. Yeah. Where it got so popular that A-listers just begged to be on the show. And I feel like now that's Marvel. Like, I agree. They all just want to be in Marvel projects. 
I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Scorsese? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Will you direct a Marvel movie? I mean, right? That'd be hilarious. That would be ironic, wouldn't it? If that ever happened, that Scorsese directs a Marvel film. Yeah, you know, you know. Maybe. <laughs> Scorsese would make a badass director for a fucking Daredevil film. Mm, yeah. Dark and gritty Dark, and Hell's York, Kitchen yeah. and New York and gangs and Kingpin and shit. Fuck. <laughs> Is anybody listening? <laughs> Scorsese, Feige, let's make that shit happen. Woo! Oh, my goodness. Well, Disney has some other things happening besides Marvel. It's true. <laughs> Cruella, the origin story of the 101 Dalmatians villain starring Emma Stone, is premiering in theaters and on Disney Plus behind the paywall. Um, this weekend, it's out right now, so be sure to head to the theaters after the show. Despite its hybrid release, box office experts predict Cruella could pull in around 30 to 40 million over this holiday weekend, which I mean is lower if it wasn't for the pandemic. But due to the pandemic, it's a high end blockbuster. So I mean, I'm excited. Yeah. And look, if you pull in 30 or 40 million dollars while it's also available on streaming on the same time, that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey. Marvel people do other things, too. It's true. They stay with Disney, but they do other things, like our boy Mark Ruffalo. You know, the Hulk. Yeah. Apparently, he's going to join Yorgos Lanthimos' latest feature, Poor Things, joining Emma Stone. Hey, she sounds familiar, huh? Right. <laughs> uh, and Willem Dafoe. Oh, Green Goblin from Spider-Man. It's all connected. It's all connected. Now, the log line for this searchlight picture describes it as a Victorian tale of love, discovery, and scientific daring. Mm. Oh, wait a minute. Hold up. Poor Things tells the incredible story of Belle Baxter. I don't know who Belle Baxter is. Who is it? It's a young woman brought back to life by an eccentric but brilliant scientist. Tony McNamara penned the screenplay based on the novel by the same name. Interesting. Some Frankenstein shit. That's what it sounds like <laughs> to me. It sounds a little creepy. Exactly. But okay. Exactly. Oh, man. Willem J- Dafoe, though, he should be the eccentric, crazy. Agreed. Like, if not, he what, what is he in it for? He would play that perfectly. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hall and Amir O'Neill have been tapped to star in The Crossover. It's going to be a series that tells the story of a 14-year-old basketball basketball phenomena brothers so they're gonna be basically the ball brothers if you're watching any of the nba right now and everybody was tracking their success through high school college and now the nba so i'm super excited about that because you guys know that's my favorite sport and i'm excited (laughs) to see where it's gonna end up yeah yeah i mean me too and uh, boy there's a lot of basketball shows just hitting Mm -hmm. it seems to be like the big thing right now so if you if you if you're reading for a basketball you know good luck you're probably gonna get it exactly Uh, (laughs) hey remember just beyond you know we talked about it this is gonna be that supernatural anthology series from seth graham smith well they've rounded out the full cast for the show okay and it's a lot Christine Coe, because it's an anthology, so it's a different cast like every episode. So, of course, Christine Coe, Malcolm Barrett, Sally Pressman, Cedric Joe, Ricky Lindham, Tim Heidecker, Gabrielle Bateman, Cyrus Arnold, Arjun Athal, Jack Gore, and Logan Gray, Alicia Hinnig, Rachel Marsh, Jai Pranushkik, Megan Scott, Henry Thomas, and Isabel Viadek, and, and... Our favorite out of all the people, all 18 of these people, our former guest, Leela Owen. Yes. All have been cast in this upcoming show. 
based on the R.L. Stein books with Goosebumps. It's, it's going to be fantastic. And if you haven't heard, go back and listen to Leela's interview because there's an interesting, really funny behind-the-scenes story about her episode of this series that may involve an embarrassing moment where um, she gets a little sick. Yeah. It's a really entertaining story, yeah. and we love Leela, so go listen to it exactly. and check it out. <laughs> it's so funny, man. It's so funny. Well, Trey Rhodes will also star as Mike Tyson in the upcoming Hulu series, Iron Mike. Rhodes will also executive produce this series in addition to starring. Iron Mike has ordered to series at the streamer back in February. The series is set to explore the wild, tragic, and controversial life and career of the one and only Mike Tyson. Now, one of the most polarizing figures in sports culture, Rhodes had his breakout role in the Academy Award-winning film back in 2016, Moonlight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not and, La La La. No, and he was phenomenal. I yeah. mean, it, it was fantastic. I, it was well done, well done. It was, man. Did he, was he going to read the wrong movie? No, no, no. Yeah. Um, and I don't understand. Mike had a controversial life. No. Like, what? Yeah. What? No. Exactly. Not anymore. He's just like really into weed, and he's mellow now. It's all good. It's I all know. good. <laughs> I'm just saying, weed mellows everybody. Jeremy Allen White, you know him from Shameless, right? Well, he's been tapped to lead the cast of FX's restaurant comedy pilot, that weird one we've been talking about, The Bear. Mm. Oh, yeah. You remember that. The half-hour comedy has also cast Ebon Moss, Baccarat. Boy, I'm getting the tough ones this time. Thank goodness. Ayo Itibriri, Lionel Boyce, Abby Elliott, and Chef Maddie Matheson. Mm. Now, remember, they ordered this pilot back in March, and it revolves around a young chef who returns to Chicago to run the family restaurant. Character descriptions for the remainder of the cast, other than the lead, they haven't told us anything. We don't know who they're playing. We don't know what they're doing. But we'll keep an eye on it and let you know. This makes sense for Jeremy, though. I mean, coming right off the heat of Shameless, so he's stepping right back into it. I mean, not taking any breaks. So congratulations to him. He's rocking and freaking rolling. Now, Hikaru Sanda uh, and Cosmo Jarvis have been cast in lead roles of FX's series adaptation of Shogun. I'm now, so pumped. The series is based on the James Calvell novel of the same name and is set in a feudal Japan chart and the charts of collision of two ambitious men from different worlds and mysterious female samurai John Blackthorne, who's being played by Jarvis, a risk-taking English sailor who ends up shipwrecked in Japan and a land where whose unfamiliar culture is ultimately redefined him and Lord Togarajanga who's going to be played by Shananda and a swoop powerful at all odds and his own dangerous political rivals a lady Morocco and a woman are invaluable skills but dishonorable family ties who must prove her value and allegiance. The role of Lady Maraku has yet to be cast, but FX ordered the project series back in 2018. So we're super excited about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, hell yeah. I, I can think of several dozen a- actresses that I think would be like totally badass in the role of Lady Maraku, but I- I'm just going to, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I can think. I'm super pumped because I was around for, they did the, a, a mini series of Shogun way back in the day with Richard Chamberlain starring in it was one of my favorite things of all time because I love that culture and I'm like super pumped about it. And so the fact that they're doing this series, it's going to be badass. Yeah. It's going to be badass. All right. 
Now, breeders. <laughs> now, breeders. Something I'm not sure is going to be badass, but you know, it's continuing anyway, and that's fine. The comedy series starring Martin Freeman, which we do love, we do love Martin Freeman, and Daisy Haggard wrapped up the second season on May 17th. And it is getting a third season, and that will debut in 2022. So in case you were wondering, now you know Breeders is carrying on for another season. Very exciting. All Very right. exciting. Got a huge fan base. Now, Lucas Till, Nefesha Williams, Nathan Darrow, and Tom Irwin have all joined the drama pilot alongside previously announced leads. Yian Newell and Christina Jackson, we've told you the series follows uh, Dan Freeman, who's played by Newell. A fictional first African-American CIA officer hired by the agency back in the 1960s. Till is set for the role of a CIA agent, Graham Renfro. Williams will play a high-class working girl, Eddie Henry. Duro uh, will appear as a CIA assistant director, Alfred uh, Ames. And Irwin will play political operative CIA director, Jack Turner. I'm excited about this one because I'm sure that there was whole bunch of struggles going into it trying to prove yourself and yeah i mean we need more content like this like we've said before on previous shows so i'm super pumped yeah yeah i'm surprised they got away with spook still calling it a spook yeah spook that sat next to me but like you know but you're right we need more content like this and although the character is fictional it's based on the real story of the first black guy in the cia so i mean yeah it's awesome it's awesome um jumping to fox television network alana bright will make her professional acting debut on the lee daniels and karen gist project our kind of people, a drama headed to Fox on Tuesday nights this fall. Oh, okay. on Tuesday. Wow. Bright joins previously announced cast members Yaya DaCosta and Morris Chestnut. Now, if you don't remember us telling you about this one, per the logline, Our Kind of People takes place in the aspirational world of Oak Bluffs on Martha's Vineyard, a historical stronghold where rich and powerful black elite have come to play for over 50 years. Now, the series follows protagonist Angela Vaughn, who's DaCosta, a strong-willed single mom who sets out to reclaim her family's name and change the world with a revolutionary hair products. Uh. I'm not even making that up. It's yeah. true. It's true. Uh, it highlights the natural beauty of black women. Michael Thorne, president of entertainment for Fox Entertainment, described it as a soapy thriller, exploration of race, class, in America. Bright will portray Nikki Vaughn, the protagonist's 17-year-old daughter and only child. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, okay. It's going to be All fun. Right. It's going to be interesting. Definitely. I mean, Fox taking chances, too. Exactly. So, okay, you know. That's what it's all about, man. That's what it's all about. Now, heading over to the bunny. I'm sure everybody has been watching it over the past two days. I have not yet. We're so super... Oh, man. I, I know. You missed out. I know. I haven't watched it yet, but I know everything about it. It's so good, guys. <laughs> it's so freaking good. I mean, we're talking about the Friends reunion, obviously. Finally dropped. We were all super excited about it. And honestly, for me, it did not disappoint. It was amazing to see the cast get back together on the set, going through where they did the huddle, I guess. <laughs> Every show they did this huddle, just like pumping each other up, basically, before the taping. And the one show they did not is the show that Matt LeBlanc 
popped his shoulder out of socket. So mm. after that, he was like, no, we have to do the fucking huddle. But <laughs> it was it was good. It was really good to get the gang all back together. James Corden did a phenomenal job. Oh, yeah. I love how they cut it up, too, so it wasn't just the them being interviewed by James Corden. I also love how they brought the celebrity guests on. I know a lot of people did not like the celebrity guests. Like, Justin Bieber, I mean, he just did a fashion runway thing. It's not like he talked. Lady Gaga was with Smelly Cat singing with Phoebe. It was just amazing. And and not a lot of people knew, but now we all know, Ross and Rachel, David and Jen, was actually a thing. They had a little crush on each other, but never let it go too far because they were never at the right point at the right time. But that energy portrayed so well on screen that I'm glad it never got to that point because it might have ruined the whole chemistry. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it I think it was obvious. I'm sorry, but you could just tell that they were into each other, right? Like, the chemistry was just too damn good. Like, I, So, yeah, but it's cool that they finally admit it, right? And I, I loved, too, that, that Matt LeBlanc, when they said, but we never acted on it. Bullshit. Like, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And he was joking, he was joking, but we'll never know. Maybe they, they did, maybe they didn't. I don't know, who knows, right? But, I, you know, this is only the second time since the show ended that the entire six got back together and it's the last time apparently they are never doing it again they made that clear they are never doing it again at least not publicly they all made clear we're gonna go have dinner together we're gonna hang out but never again will they be doing this i mean it makes sense it makes sense they were asked about if they would ever come back and do a movie or like a like a um year in the life kind of like gilmore did gilmore girls did but they were like no they ended in such a perfect way and they don't want to unravel those storylines which i honestly honestly think is perfect i mean it's okay it's really okay i would love to see them all come back but it's okay i mean it did end perfectly for each and every one of their characters one of the rare shows that actually accomplished it by pulling off the perfect ending that satisfied all of the fans i agree don't fuck it up exactly (laughs) it's rare that a show does that you usually piss people off so don't don't piss them off by messing it up and i would also like to say everybody get off of matthew perry's back just because he didn't talk a lot doesn't mean he was sad doesn't mean he was on drugs again people were throwing out theories crazy shit If you watch previous interviews, he wasn't the talker. He likes to do his quick-witted jokes, but he wasn't the outspoken talker. They were talking to everybody else. So just get off that gravy train. I'm just saying. And and they revealed that he had just come from the dentist. Yeah. Like, he he, he was probably still gassed up. That's why he slurred in the promo, and that's why he he says he didn't talk. If you've ever been to the dentist and gotten the gas, you know you ain't talking a lot. When you start to come out of that, you're still kind of groggy. So I agree. Like, what the fuck? Exactly. Guys? Get, get a, off his back. Yeah. Get a life. Get a life. Hey, you know who has a life and a pretty kick ass one? I'm yeah. just going to say The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Now, you know he's getting ready to play Black Adam, right? He's got a pretty solid deal with DC Comics and Warner Brothers and everything. So solid, apparently, they want him to continue to just be in DC everywhere. This one, though, I was kind of shocked by, but we're going to go with it anyway. Apparently, DC is doing a movie. Warner Brothers is doing a DC movie called League of Super Pets. Now, what is it about? It's about Superman's dog, Crypto, who, while Superman is on vacation, teams up with the other superhero pets to take care of the city while they're gone. I'm not even making this up. Now, Crypto is going to be voiced by The Rock. So funny. Because... 
why wouldn't he be voiced by The Rock, right? So I, none of this, I'm not making any of this up. This is all going to happen. We don't know who's going to play the other mascots of pets, you know, but Warner Brothers wants A-list actors to voice these these pets. So, uh, and with The Rock, you know they're going to get him. Yeah, exactly. If The Rock is Dash, he's going to be like, hey, yo, come come do this. Come that, you know, I mean, so, boom. That's so there you funny. Go. I mean, The Rock is crypto. It's going to be hilarious. I'm it excited is. for it. It I, is. I really am. You know, because have you seen the comic book? Like, the Batman's is a little cat, mm-hmm. and then there's like a horse, and there's like a monkey, and they're, it's going to be hilarious. I don't know who they're getting to do the horse, but, you know, or the feline bat cat, but I mean, <laughs> you know, it's going to be good. You know, this next story makes sense because, I mean, with him putting on the cow, putting on the cape. Mm. I mean, it makes sense for him to actually partner with the company. Ben I'm Affleck? Not, no, no, not Ben. No. <laughs> not Benny Ben. We're talking about Robert Pattinson. That's right. Warner Brothers Pictures and New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers Television and HBO Max announced that they have established a first-look production deal with Robert Pattinson. The, act- uh, the actor's producing deal is for theatrical SOV- or SVOD, uh, which is HBO Max, and Warner Brothers television properties. And they came out with a statement saying, Warner Brothers Pictures and HBO have always been on the same page with groundbreaking filmmaking. Actually, Patterson said that. Uh, I'm thrilled to be working with them to discover the most uh, exciting new voices in film and television and help bring their visions to life. I love to be working with a studio over the years that have... uh, brought so much respect and dedication to their work and their willingness to take chances and their desire to push the envelope creatively. And as you know, like I said, he's playing Batman. So it makes sense. Which was taking a chance and pushing the envelope creatively because a lot of people were like, what the fuck? The the glowing vampire? What the fuck? But look at it. He may be, just from that trailer, I'm vengeance. He might be my favorite Batman ever. And that is hard to say because Keaton is my Batman and Keaton is coming back. But I'm just saying, I saw that trailer and I'm not going to lie. I got, I jumped up off the fucking couch, man. I was excited as shit to see that. All right. Moving on. Hey, we're, there's a lot of uh, did it, will it, won't it, is it, not, yes, no. We have a lot of those stories in the news today, and here's one of them. After an on-again, off-again negotiations, Timothy Chalamet is apparently now, now signed on to star in Warner Brothers' upcoming Wonka, huh? a big-screen reimagining of the Ronald Dahl classic children's book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, because we needed another one. You know, Wonka is the infamous, as you guys know, and eccentric owner of the Chocolate Factory who figured prominently into Dahl's 1964 book and its follow-up, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. He was also the caretaker of the Oompa Loompas, the short human Wonka saved from the enemies in Loompa Land, and now make his candy for him. The character became so indelible in culture in the 1971 version of the film with Gene Wilder, so... You know, we had that miss with with Johnny Depp. I mean, some people liked it, some people didn't, but it wasn't beloved like the Gene Wilder one. So it's interesting casting to me because the the reason they they went after Chalamet is they saw him do the interpretation of Edward Scissorhands, and they they thought he was so on it with Johnny Depp that maybe he can pull off Wonka. And right. I'm just like, okay, yeah. I I I think we 
we theorized about this. I don't think they actually came out with a story that possibly a prequel. I think it should be a prequel than Charlie yeah. and Chocolate Factory at their heyday before he shut the factory down and before everybody came back. So I'm very excited about this. It's going to be very interesting. He's a great actor about to be in Dune. So, I mean, you know, he's a good up and comer that hopefully won't ruin his name with this film. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. But now it's official. Jeremy Irvin will play superhero Alan Scott in HBO Max's upcoming Green Lantern series. The actor announced the news on May 26th after it was reported last week. Uh, he was being eyed for the role. Irvin will join Finn Werdick in the series, who has been cast as the lead role as Guy Gardner. So, very interesting, very freaking interesting, bringing the whole gang together. I'm not on board with any of the casting so far. Yeah. And I love Berlanti, and I think this series is going to be epic, but so far, the and maybe they'll prove me wrong, but so far, all of the announcements of the people who are in these roles, I... I I'm I'm not buying it. I'm not, and I'm a comic book fan who loves the Green Lantern Corps and all of these characters, and I'm just not seeing it. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. I don't know, but he likes Superman and Lois, so we'll see. I do like Superman and Lois. I did. I I was not on board with that, and I was totally wrong about that. So we'll see. Maybe this casting will knock me out of the park. I don't know. <laughs> I can admit when I'm wrong, and I like Superman and Lois. In fact, I love Superman and Lois. It's fantastic. The CW has picked up All-American Homecoming and Naomi to series. The pickups come as the youth-skewing broadcaster had tough decisions to make over which projects to actually pick up. So what's the fate? Well, the Nancy Drew spinoff, Tom Swift, remains in consideration. Black Lightning spinoff, Painkiller... And uh, Jenny Snyder's Ermin Millennium Nun comedy that we've talked relentlessly about, Our Ladies of Brooklyn, not moving forward. Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I have heard rumors, though, that Painkiller might – they're trying to get it to HBO Max. Yeah. So while the CW passed on it, maybe they're going to spin it off on HBO Max. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. And something else we'll see about. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing never sees the light of day. <laughs> uh, the CW's pilot for Powerpuff. Yes, that's right. The Powerpuff Girls fucking live-action reinterpretation, dumbass, um, is being overhauled and reshot because its initial pilot was too campy and was not rooted in reality as the network execs uh, would have liked. And the reasons they do pilots, they say, is because sometimes things miss, and this was just a damn fucking miss. Exact quote, um, said the CW chairman and CEO Mark Pedowitz about Powerpuff. So, I mean, this makes sense. Honestly, this one's going to be so tough for them to get out the gate, to be honest with you. And once it does, I'm sure it's going to be hit with a million critic reviews. So, I don't I don't see this one lasting, in my opinion. It, it, it's I don't think that the CW knows what it wants. They said that the Powerpuff Girls is like this huge property that they have that has this massive fan base, right? But then the, then they say this was too campy and not grounded enough in reality. So what do you want? Because the cartoon was campy. So if you're saying this is this like treasured property that you want to capitalize on, but then you say we don't want it to be 
like the treasured property that we're capitalizing on. I don't understand that. And if you make it too serious, if you make it too grounded in reality, then your massive fan base that adored the show will fucking hate it. So, like, I don't know. I agree with you. This might just be one of those things where you can't make it work. If you make it too real, apparently there was a script leak and it had things like they were making reference to poking fun at each other's sex tapes and, like, you know, and, oh. yeah, and Tinder and different things like that. And whether that was an actual script or not, I don't know. But I feel like if it's grounded in reality and we're talking about real life situations and real, that would kind of be along the lines of these girls poking fun at each other and doing, right? Well, I just don't know how that's going to win over the fan base of the cartoon fans. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. You know what will win over the fan base, though? And I think this is fucking hilarious. The CW has commissioned three new TV specials for late 2021. This one's really excited and clearly a knock at the Friends one, but it's brilliant. The Scooby-Doo reunion special. Uh, the other two is the Walton's Homecoming and Bebo. Yes, Bebo from uh, DC's uh, Arrowverse. That little squiggly fun toy guy that everybody loves and hates. Um, he's getting a Christmas special apparently. Now... In the Scooby-Doo reunion special, the Mystery Inc. gang reunites at Warner Brothers Studios to reminisce about their favorite cases and how they were filmed. But it turns out that the backlot may have its own monster problem. Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby will all be there, and they're going to investigate the mystery while celebrating the legacy of the franchise during this one-hour special. <laughs> so that's going to be hilarious. I mean, come on now. And now for you old folks like me, and for anybody who might remember this show, the Walton's Homecoming is coming on its 50th anniversary of the Homecoming, A Christmas Story. That's right. 50th anniversary. I wasn't even like, yeah, I was one when this thing was on. There you go. Did I just give away my I just gave away my age? It aired on CBS in 1971. As you guys know, it's set in the 1933 Depression era and told through the eyes of John Boy, the 17-year-old eldest child of John and Olivia Walton. Now, this new this this new movie, the guy who played John Boy, Richard Thomas, is going to be the narrator of it. So they are bringing kind of some connection to the original Waltons, right? But yeah, hey. There it is. There yeah. it is. Um, Bebo. <laughs> I don't. I just. I don't know about this one. Bebo Saved Christmas is going to be a one-hour animated special built around the DC character. When Sprinkles, an efficiency-obsessed elf, decides that Christmas would run better without Santa, Bebo and his friends travel to the North Pole to help discover what truly makes Christmas meaningful. And save Christmas. Yeah, there it is, man. I mean, they're they're trying to capitalize on these reunion things. That and Bebo it's very thing though is like I've never. I, just, I hated Bebo in all the fucking Arrowverse shows. I don't know why. Uh, so interesting. And something else that's interesting happening over at Warner Brothers and HBO Max. They just dropped their first teaser trailer and poster art for the Gossip Girl reboot, mm. and it's supposed to come out July eighth as the premiere date. The teaser promises to develop. Uh, Gossip Girl's usual shenanigans, uh, but now, I mean, we're in the smartphone era, uh, where beautiful influencers carefully police their image on social media. Not that our narrator cares so much for how her commentaries are contemporaries. Uh, project over social media as she makes things clear in the trailer message which she ends with her famous signature thinking you're in control of your image your actions and the narrative but you forgot one thing 
I can see you. And before I'm through, I'll make sure you see me too. XOXO. That's right. Just leave it dead, guys. Just leave some things dead. But, it's completely unnecessary. And for anybody who is wondering who did that trademark comment there at the end, it is Kristen Bell. She is returning as the Gossip Girl narrator and who everybody thought was Gossip Girl until it wasn't Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl was a guy. It was Dan. What the fuck? But anyway, Kristen Bell, a lot of people were wondering if she would or would not return to voice it. She is. So there you go. There it is. There it is. Um, Hey, Jesse Plemons has been cast opposite WandaVision's Elizabeth Olsen in the HBO Max original limited series Love and Death. You guys remember this. The show follows two church-going couples enjoying small-town family life in Texas. The series is based on the true story of Texas housewife Candy Montgomery, who murdered her friend from Uh. church, Betty Gore, with an axe in 1980. The Breaking Bad alum is going to play Alan Gore, while Olsen was previously announced as playing Candy, the axe-wielding murderer. (laughs) It's crazy, guys. It's absolutely wild. And you guys know there's so many Game of Thrones series in development right now and in production. One of the Game of Thrones prequels in development HBO, 10,000 Ships, has found its writer, Amanda Siegel. It's set to pin the project. The show will follow Princess Nymeria, a journey through the Renora to Dorne, and married Lord Morris Martell. Siegel's past credits include Person of Interest, The Good Wife, The Mist, and Hellstorms. Oh, well, so, fuck, man. If she wrote on The Good Wife and Person of Interest, I'm in. I mean, she's a hell of a writer then because those are great you shows. you got to watch the first one, though. But whatever. That's true. Fine. Hey, it's, it's fine. fine. I mean, you know, I'm behind. I got a lot. I got a lot. I got a lot. Hey, I'm also super excited about this one. This is going to be really interesting. New Line announced that a sequel, that's right, a sequel to The Evil Dead, not a remake like the last one with with Extraordinary Playlist is Jane. Um, this is an actual sequel. And it's in the works for HBO Max. It's called Evil Dead Rise. It's going to be directed and written by Irish filmmaker Lee Cronin and star Alyssa Sutherland and Lily Sullivan. Sutherland Sullivan. Sutherland Sullivan. Not the same. Okay. The original 1981 movie, as you guys know, their team... Uh, and Sam Raimi, if you guys don't know, okay, is back for this one also. Sam Raimi, who directed and wrote the ex- uh, and executive produced the original, will serve as the executive producer on this one also. Robert Tappert, who served, served as an executive producer on the first one, will also produce. And the man himself, Ash, that's just pillow talk, baby. Bruce Campbell is also going to be on to executive produce. That's going to be badass. And here's what's different about it and what's going to be like really cool about it. It's coming out of the woods, y'all. It's not in the woods. It's actually going to take place in the city. Uh, what? Very Evil Dead in the city. Now, that's going to be badass. I'm just saying. And if you got Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell involved, it's going to be epic. Agree. I wish we'd see Campbell in front of the camera in it, but, I mean, you you know, know. behind the camera and EPN is fine, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, we have more casting announcements about HBO's upcoming sports drama series about the Los Angeles Lakers. Showtime. Rory Cochran, Danny Burstein, Austin Aaron, Tanika Gibson, Edwin Hodge, Terrence Davis, and Jaquan Cole are all signed on board. We're super excited, and you guys know it's going to be based on Jeff Perlman's book, Showtime, Magic Kareem Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers dynasty of the 1980s. The show is going to chronicle the professional and personal life of 
all of those players and one of basketball's most revered and dominating dynasties ever before in any sports era. So we're super excited about it. We've got a couple buddies that also are attached to this thing. They've been on the show before, Kirk Boville, Spencer Garrett, and a yes. couple of others. So be sure to go back and listen to those interviews. But I'm just super pumped about this thing, man. They don't even have a title yet, but, I mean, they keep attaching <laughs> all of these people. It is going to be interesting to figure out what they finally do name it because it is based on the Showtime Lakers, and you just can't call it Showtime really on can't. HBO. So good luck, guys. You're going to name it. You're going to figure it out it's gonna be great um let's see it's official were you worried about it i wasn't but if you were worried about it you were thinking they're coming back with sex in the city will mr big be there yes apparently he will it's official chris noth is coming back to reunite with sarah jessica parker cynthia nixon and kristen davis to prize his role as mr big in hbo max's sex in the city reboot and just like that it's, that's a weird name. I'm just going to say. And yeah, just like right. that. <laughs> Noth has been in talks for a while, apparently, to reprise the role, even amid reports that he wasn't planning to come back. Diversion. Eye tricks. Woo! Yeah, candy. Right. All right. The 10-episode half-hour series is scheduled to begin production this summer in New York. So I get, you know, if he's not doing any kind of law and order, he's got to be on Sex and the City. Exactly. Right? That's all. That's just all. Saying. If you're in New York, you're doing one of those. So I'm just saying. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, Parker Posey. And uh, we'll star alongside Colin Firth, Tony Collette, Gillette Benoist, and Rosemary DeWitt in HBO Max's limited series, The Staircase. Mm. The eight-parter is based on the docuseries of the same name in various books and reports on Michael Peterson, who's going to be played by Firth. Uh, Peterson was accused of murdering his wife, Kathleen, who's going to be played by Colette, back in 2001. He claims she died after falling down the stairs at their home and consuming alcohol and Valium. But police suspect he uh, completely, obviously, staged it. And the autopsy revealed that Kathleen died to blows to the back of the head with a blunt object and other injuries. So, oof, that's intense, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on now. That's how all of these end. He yeah, did it exactly. He did it. It's like what? What's the statistic? Like ninety percent of the murders always come from the loved ones yeah. or someone they knew. That's why they're always the initial suspect because yeah. ha- most of the time they're right. Uh, hey, HBO's The Last of Us is bringing back a cast member from the video game to actually reprise her role in the TV series. That's cool. Yeah. Merle Dandridge, who played Marlene in The Last of Us game, is going to return to portray her in HBO's adaptation of the show. Marlene is the head of the Fireflies, a resistance movement struggling for freedom against an oppressive military regime. Dandridge joins a star-studded cast that we've talked about already, including Pedro Pascal. Scale, Bella Ramsey, and Ellie and Gabriel Luna as Tommy and Chernobyl. Creator Craig Mazin is set to write and executive produce the series. So that's going to be pretty awesome. I mean, and it's always cool shout out to give somebody, you know, hey, come back. You did such an awesome job voicing it in the game. Come do it for real. Exactly. I mean, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. Well, we talked about Cruella coming out this weekend. Well, something else coming out this weekend is A Quiet Place Part 2 finally fucking happening. Yes. It's drumming up solid pre-sales. According to online ticketing service Fandango, its momentum sustains, and it could be Broadwell for film's box office debut over Memorial Day weekend. The follow-up to Paramount's 2018 Sleeper, A Quiet place is currently selling twice as many advanced tickets on fandango compared to its same point 
uh, in 2020 Ooh. sales cycle. The film was originally scheduled for uh, March 20th of 2020, but was pulled from the release date shortly after it was planned to launch because of the pandemic. But we're super excited about this. I think it's going to be number one this weekend because people have just been waiting for this one way longer than Cruella, obviously, because Cruella was shooting during the pandemic and Quiet Place had been done for like over a year. (laughs) So just saying, I'm pumped though. I'm super pumped. Me too. I'm excited it's going to finally hit the screens and people can see it. Um, (laughs) Infinite. The movie, you know, with Mark Wahlberg that it seems like he's been working on for 18 years. I'm just kidding. It's not that long. But it has gone the same struggle with pandemic up and down and will it, won't it. Well, now we know it is going to debut on Paramount Plus in time for the summer. The film was scheduled to release on June 10th, originally set, like I said, to premiere theatrically in August. Paramount announced earlier in May that Infinite would skip that and just debut directly on the streaming service. And they're not even trying to hide it. They made that move because they're trying to get subscribers for Paramount+. Exactly. And it's Mark fucking Wahlberg. So they're like, let's do it. And so there it is, guys. But in in time for summer. So, And if you want to know any little tiny tidbit about what the film's about, watch Wall Street. Yeah. Uh, And then, because he talks about it, he's actually making it during that show. Check it out. It's awesome. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg with a samurai sword. You got me. Yeah. You you got me. Exactly. It's going to be badass. Well, everybody was wondering what's going to happen to the role that Army Hammer has had to vacate or vacated whatever the fuck you want to say in that situation uh, for the Godfather series. Well, now Miles Teller will come on as producer Al Rudy in the upcoming Paramount Plus series, The Offer, which details the -the behind-the-scenes story of the making of The Godfather. We're super excited about this one because we're huge Miles Teller's fan. He's honestly an underrated actor, so I'm excited to see him in bigger and better projects. Oh, absolutely. You know, I know him and Shailene Woodley did that movie together i had no idea they were like besties Mm, apparently they're besties and aaron Rodgers and shailene woodley and miles and his wife have been vacationing together in hawaii interesting like like double dating vacationing in hawaii like i had no idea that's cool okay right (laughs) i mean go check out the videos they're fucking hilarious (laughs) i mean if you ain't got nothing else to do, I don't know. Angela Bassett and Courtney B. Vance's Bassett Vance Productions are teaming with MTV Entertainment Studios on a limited series about the Tulsa Race Massacre of 1921. We've talked about this, guys. Black Wall Street. If you're not familiar, educate yourselves. News of the series comes just before the 100-year anniversary of the massacre, which left hundreds of black people dead and entire homes and businesses destroyed. Now, the series tells the story of Greenwood District in Tulsa, which at the time was the wealthiest black community in the United States, and as I said, known as Black Wall Street. The series is the first project from Bassett Vance Productions as part of the deal with MTV Entertainment Studios uh, that they made in 2020. I'm excited about this, man. I'm a huge fan of Courtney B. and a huge fan of Angela Bassett and look at 911 and all the stuff she's been doing behind the scenes. If you guys didn't know, Angela Bassett's like behind the 911 series, both of them. Yep. So I think that this is going to be epic. I think so too and this is a story that needs to be told because this was a thriving black community that was just destroyed because of racism. Yes. So I mean this is definitely a story that needs to be fucking told. Well now, Joseph Gordon Lovett and Kyle Chandler are set to join Showtime's Super Pumped, an anthology <laughs> drama by Billions creator Brian Kulpeman and uh, Dan Levin and Beth Charter. Now there's so many people attached to this thing. <laughs> the first season will deal with Uber and uh, Kal- Kalanick's meteoric 
rise in Silicon Valley. The company's roller coaster ride and Kalanick's eventual uh, ouster amid allegations of sexual harassment and a toxic environment at the company. Uh, Gordon Levitt will play former Uber driver CEO Travis Kalanick, and Chandler will play uh, Bill Gurley, described as a plain spoken, brilliant Texan venture capitalist who bets his sterling reputation on Uber's success and then has to live with the consequences. Ooh, very interesting. Yeah. It yeah. says uh, each season of Super Pump will delve into the story that rocked the business world and changed the wild or the wider culture and the original envisioned as a limited series before shifting gears and because becoming a seasonal anthology. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. So Enron, I'm guessing Exxon. We'll we'll see a bunch of like these crazy, you know, a Bernie Madoff, I'm sure. That's going to be awesome though. Hell yeah. Um Mayor of Kingstown, we've talked about this one with our boy Jeremy Renner starring in it, right? Well, the co-creator, Hugh Dillon, apparently wanted to put himself in it, too, because he that's what he did. He's going to be uh, taking on the dual role in front and behind the camera as he's joined the... And he didn't just put himself in it. He put himself in it as a series regular. Yeah. Like, no, I'm going to star in this bitch, too. But when you're the creator, I guess that's what you could do, right? <laughs> right? Also tap this series regulars are Fares last... And Toby Bamentfa, as production gets underway in Toronto. And as I said, Jeremy Renner stars in the drama series from Yellowstone creator Taylor Sheridan. So, um, hey, good for him. If you yeah. got the time, you think you can create it and do all that kind of stuff and get yourself in front of the camera, you go. You exactly, go. exactly. Now heading over to NBC Universal. Following a lengthy search for Steven Spielberg, basically, they have found an actor <laughs> to play him as the younger film as the young filmmaker, inspired by the legendary director. Sources say that Gabrielle Lebel is in negotiations to play the young aspiring filmmaker that centers around Spielberg's upcoming film, which is loosely based on his childhood, like we told you before. But Michelle Williams is already set to play the role of Spielberg's mom with a, a separate or a separate and original voice while Seth Rogen is on board to play his favorite uncle. Paul Dano is set to play the character inspired by Spielberg's father, and the film will start shooting this summer with an expectation to be released sometime in 2022. Mm. I'm pumped for that one, man. It's going to be exciting. Too. It is going to be exciting, you know? Um, hey, Adam Wingard, a.k.a. the guy who directed Godzilla vs. Kong, yeah. well, he's riding high right now, and he's been signed on to direct Universal's Hardcore, a film... <laughs> It's not that. A film based on the comic from Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman and Mark Silvestri. Hardcore is actually a sci-fi thriller following a soldier's journey as he saves the world without getting his hands dirty. Mm. See? It's not dirty at all. Not it's at all. It's not what it's about. Hey, calm Get down. your heads out of the gutter. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Universal Pictures has <laughs> nabbed Strays, a live-action project from Phil Lord and Chris Miller, oh. to be produced with Eric Feige's, or Feig's, not Feige's, uh, <laughs> Pictures start. The film is an adult comedy and an original pitch from writer Dan Perrault from American Vandal. Now, about an abandoned dog who teams up with other strays to get revenge on their former owners. The movie falls under Lord and Miller's first look deal with uh, Donna Langley's lead Universal. And 
uh, aims to produce features both comedy and drama based on original content, existing IP, and other media formats. So, very exciting. Those man. guys have been riding the success of the Lego movie for like ever. They have. I mean, that's how you do it. You get one successful movie and then you just go. That's exactly. how you do that shit. Oh, Debris. This one's sad. I know, because we just had Jennifer on. It's sad. Debris has been canceled after one season at NBC, because that's what NBC does. I know. The news comes shortly after the first season finale, which just aired. With the cancellation, the NBC show's still awaiting word on new seasons are... Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Good Girls, and Manifest. All fucking fantastic shows. Do not fucking cancel them, NBC. Do not cancel them. Don't do it. They're testing the waters with Zoe's. Did you see? They're, they put every single episode of both seasons on E for a marathon that's playing straight through to gauge audience reaction. Yeah. Especially to see if they can sustain that same audience throughout like the all the episodes. That'd be very interesting. It would be. I wonder what the results are going to be. I don't know, but... Don't cancel these exactly. shows. Exactly. <laughs> Don't do it. Well, Adrian Holmes and Nicole Ari Parker, Brad James, and Jane Esty are set as co-leads a song alongside Shaniqua Walls, uh, Amitia Cardellini, and Christian Keys in NBC's ensemble pilot, At That Age. Mm. Now, the series is an exploration of an African-American family's legacy after the Cooper family's golden child suffers a catastrophic event. Seven family members, who is everybody I just named, face a foundational shift um, that makes a life-altering decision and delves deep into secrets that might come to light. Uh, Holmes will play Ellington Cooper, the oldest of the Cooper children, and the second in command at Cooper Corporation. He's charming, savvy, confident, and has lots of uh, presence and swagger. Now, Parker is Samantha Cooper, Avery's wife. She's a smart but has become content at staying home and reap the benefits of the Cooper wealth and name. James is going to be playing Justin Carmichael, Victoria's husband. He struggles to get focus and attention from his alpha wife. And Estee uh, will play Sydney Cooper, Layton's estranged wife. Uh, she has a likable innocence about her, attracted to wounded souls. Additionally, Bailey Bass from Avatar 2 will recur as Kendall Cooper, the strong-willed teenage daughter of the prominent Harlem family. Well, damn. I know. That's like a lot of family drama to that- that is into. a lot of family drama. Peacock, we do family drama. Right, like shit. And speaking of, Peacock is also developing drama set in the alternate near future. The streamers landed the rights to Red Queen. Oh, shit. Elizabeth Banks and Max Handelman attached to executive produced the potential series, which is currently in the development stages, is set in the alternate near future. America, where democracy is replaced by a monarchy led by a group of humans with superpowers who rule with an iron fist. Mm. Oh, shit. Right. Now, Banks is supposed to star in this also if it does get picked up the series, and she's poised to direct 
the a potential episode of it as well. So she's she's just getting busy. Yeah, she really is. And the Joe Exotic series at Peacock continues to build out its cast with an additional uh, of Nat Wolf as set to star as Travis Maldonado. Uh, Wolf joins the previously announced series leads uh, Kate McKinnon, who will play Carol Baskin, and John Cameron Mitchell, who's going to be playing Joe Exotic himself. Uh, it was recently announced that Brian Van Holt would play John Rinke, but Maldonado was one of Joe Exotic's husbands, if y'all didn't watch mm. Tiger King, and was prominently featured in the Netflix docuseries. And spoiler alerts, because of Joe, he kills himself. Just saying. Boom. Yeah. There you go. Crazy shit. Hey, jumping to Sony. Sony revealed that the event pick Craven the Hunter is set to uh, actually hit theaters January 13th in 2023. And... A familiar face is going to be playing him, Taylor Johnson, who was Quicksilver in the, in the MCU, has apparently signed on for a multi-picture deal to portray the character. That's going to be interesting. As you guys know, Craven's one of Marvel's most iconic and notorious anti-heroes. Uh, he's encountered Venom, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, of course. Um, Craven the Hunter casting comes as Sony continues to build its budding universe with upcoming installments. As I said, we've got Venom, Let There Be Carnage. We've got Jared Leto's Morbius slated for 2022. So, man, they they're like we can't have spidey but we're gonna use everybody fucking else exactly like, so. exciting stuff man exciting yeah man. stuff now heading over to mga mgm uh their holdings whose story studio boosted the largest hollywood and film and television libraries has agreed to terms to acquired to be acquired by Amazon for $9.5 billion, with a B. And it has been long been rumored that the tech giant was the top suitor for the studio, which emerged from bankruptcy back in 2010. MGM's top shareholder, oh, oh, shit, uh, Anchorage Capital, run by former Golden Sachs exec Kevin Or. Orich, uh, who leads the studio's board of directors, is said to be has a spareheaded the deal. So he was like leading this shit. When yep. the deal closes, Amazon will have access to MGM's massive library, uh, comprising over four thousand titles and seventeen thousand hours worth of television for its prime video streaming service. The century-old feature library includes Rocky, The Hobbit franchises, uh, television titles including Fargo, Handsmaid's Tale, along with unscripted offerings like Survivor, Shark Tank. Amazon would also control what is seen to be the industry's most lucrative yet-to-be-tapped brand, James Bond. Now, the studio has been without a CEO since Gary Barber was ousted back in 2018 at the behest of Altridge. Instead of the studio's TV arm is overseeing the reality television um, mogul Mark Burnett, while Michael DeLuca has been installed back or was installed back in January of 2020. He's the head of uh, feature film at the moment. It is currently unclear if the purchase by Amazon will affect any of the studio's current distribution plans. There's a lot of things happening right here, man. It's insane. It's huge properties. I mean, huge thing. You said Rocky, James Bond, Legally Blonde, fucking Pink Panther. There are so many epic franchises that they're going to get in this deal. And Bezos already said that's why he bought him. 
said, we're going to make fucking prequels, sequels, spinoffs. I want the franchises, and that's why I bought it. I was like, okay. I, I saw Big Brother wants to look into this deal. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, of course, of course. I think it's going to pass, though. I, I do. Uh, Jumping to Lionsgate. Hey, Henry Cavill, you know, because he's been Superman. He's the Witcher. What can he play? Well, uh, here's another one he will play, apparently. He's in negotiations to star in Lionsgate's reboot of Highlander. What? There can be only one. I can see him swinging a sword and cutting people's heads off. Hell yeah. All right. They don't know who he's playing, but he is one of the two leads. So I'm guessing he's going to be Highlander because he's not going to be the the Spaniard that teaches him. Exactly. (laughs) It's crazy, man. Absolutely wild. Well, now going over to the streaming giant itself, Netflix. They have yet another feature hit on its hands. We've talked about this one numerous amount of times. Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which is on its way to becoming one one of the streamers' top 10 most-watched movies. Bound to notch, this is their predictions, 72 million viewing households in its first four weeks. One led by Dave Batista. Man, I'm excited to watch this thing. It looks badass. I am too. I'm super pumped. And Zack Snyder, you just keep going, dude. You got wronged, and you are right in that shit. And fuck you. Yeah, you keep going, buddy. <laughs> Netflix announced also, I'm super excited about this one too, but also one of Hollywood's worst-kept secrets, that Karate Kid Part 3 baddie, played by Tom Ian Griffith will make his way to the valley for the next installment of Cobra Kai. Yep, the wealthy sleazeball Terry Silver will be making an appearance in Cobra Kai Season 4. It's currently uh, wrapped production. Now, no air date's been announced yet. Now, given the fact that Daniel LaRusso and Johnny Lawrence ended their season by putting their grudge aside in order to defeat Kreese, it may only make sense that the grizzled Cobra Kai sensei is definitely going to need help from his buddy. So, Silver is on his way. The valley had better prepare for a lot of toxicity. Like, this was a given. They showed him in the flashbacks. Yeah, bringing I, I it mean, all back. It's epic, man. It's epic. It is. Well, Tegan Croft, you all know her from freaking Titans. Her, man, we're super excited because going over to Netflix, been tapped to star in a family film, True Spirit, for Netflix, based on Jessica Watson's memoir of the same name. True Spirit follows the Australian sailor who, in 2010, at just 16 years old, became the youngest person to sail solo, nonstop, and unassisted around the world, surviving seven knockdown while at Damn. seas for 210 days. That's insane. That is crazy. Sarah Spillen is set to direct from a script written by Kathy Randall, and revisions are being made by Rebecca Banner. That just sounds like an intense adrift. It, no. it does. That's exactly what I was thinking, Shaylee Woodley. Like, where yeah, Bring Miles? Bring the whole gang. Bring Aaron. It'll be fantastic. Hey, you know who's fantastic? The Russo brothers. And we've got some news about them. British actor Diobi O'Peral has joined their cat, their Netflix thriller, The Gray Man, which is going to be directed by the Russos. The pick is said to be the biggest budget tent pole that Netflix has ever made. And it boasts an already impressive cast that includes Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anna Dion, Jessica Henwick, Wagner Mora, Danush, Billy Bob Thornton, damn, Roger Jean Page, and like fucking everybody. Apparently, Joe wrote this uh, screenplay and with a polish from Christopher Marcus, um, and it's based on the book of the same name. That, I, Jesus Christ, who's not in that? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, every Avenger, apparently, and then some other people. Like, that's, that's badass. So funny. Well, speaking about superheroes, hopping over to Amazon, they have acquired a new documentary about one of the Batmans, Val Kilmer. <laughs> Uh, the Chronicle method actor behind the doors and Top Gun will release the documentary on the platform later this year in the U.S. and Latin America. A24 controls all remaining world rights. 
from directors Leo Scott and Ting Po. Val, which it is titled, will feature never-before-seen footage that has been captured by Kilmer himself over the course of 40 years. So we're going to see skinny to fat. I'm just yes. kidding. I mean, it's going to be good. I'm I'm a big Val Kilmer fan, so it's going to be fun. I am too, but I'd like to forget Batman. Yeah. You know, Top Gun, great. The Doors, great. Fucking Tombstone is his best by far. I mean, I, he'll be my Huckleberry. Let's just forget Batman. Let's just forget <laughs> it, he says. I mean, you know. Hey, let's jump to Apple. Elizabeth Moss, Michelle McLaren, and uh, Dana Reed are set to take turns directing Apple's upcoming thriller series, Shining Girls. This is an eight-episode series that's based on the same, the book of the same name and it follows a chicago reporter named kirby who survived a brutal assault only to find her reality shifting as she hunts down her attacker Mm. the cast features moss jamie bell and wagner mora as veteran journalist dan ione harper respectively that sounds badass that really does i mean female power man getting your fucking shit (laughs) like i love it though i love it Man, it is now time for our guest segment. We're super excited. We're super excited for all the up-and-comers to hear this interview from Thomas Nicholson. He's an honestly a gem. Awesome to have on the show and talk about what it's like to deal with family trauma and still trying to pursue your career, especially bouncing back and forth between two countries, Vancouver and the United States, to try to pursue this thing we call acting. It's honestly a great interview. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. And, and it, hey, you make it because once you're in the Arrowverse, <laughs> you, you've got longevity, my friend. And so and he talks about that, which is really fun. He talks about maybe playing Bowie again in a different time which would be awesome but it's a really fun one it is it is well here he is thomas nicholson welcome inside the crazy ant form how are you tonight man thanks very much i'm doing very well how are you oh we're doing awesome awesome man living the freaking dream (laughs) as they say as they say but you know we're super excited to have you on the show because you are david bowie and dc's legends of tomorrow I mean, yes. and i mean that's so badass we're huge fans i mean this guy a little bit more than me because he's older and from the 80s so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just throwing that out there bowie is legendary bro and so is the Arrowverse. okay <laughs> don't be throwing age at nothing anybody wrong with, uh, <laughs> nothing wrong with being from the 80s though i, I will uh that's right <laughs> all right you've already moved to the top of my favorite guests of the show <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But like I said, we're super thrilled. Uh, And the first thing we want to do is to introduce you to our listeners a little bit. Tell us how you got started in the entertainment industry. Was it something you always wanted to do or did you kind of fall into it? And we saw doing our little research on you, you have kind of a journalism background. I do, yeah. I I mean, that's a couple of questions in one. But but yes, I I absolutely fell into it. Um, I have a degree in journalism. I worked as a journalist for a couple of years and I just kind of got jaded with that. Mm-hmm. I was uh, living and working in London at the time. Mm. And um, yeah, I was, I was, uh, you know, my partner and I were kind of fortunate in the sense that we both kind of just kind of felt finished with mm-hmm. journalism at the same time. And we were both just kind of open to adventure after that. And we, uh, we went traveling for a bit and then we ended up in Vancouver in Canada uh, I'm originally from Denmark and mm-hmm. my partner is Canadian, but, but not from Vancouver. So it was like a new, kind of a new start for both of us. Mm-hmm. And she actually gifted me acting classes. We moved here around Christmas and she, that, that was her Christmas present for me with like acting classes in Vancouver. Uh, she had done some like amateur sort of dilettante fun stuff. And I'd been reading lines with her and 
I don't remember this, but apparently I was super animated about it. <laughs> I, it I mean, I didn't know I wanted to be an actor, but I got these acting classes and I just, I loved it. Um, and I had done some acting in like in high school. I did like some community theater and I did a couple of short films in my late teens with, with a couple of friends. And I had a great time doing all of that, but it never occurred to me that I could do it professionally. It mm. just didn't cross my mind. I was never discouraged from it. I would just, it just, I didn't know anyone who was a professional actor. It was like a different species for me. Well, okay. So, so on the flip side of that, what led to the journalism was like that the boyhood dream, like, Oh, I've got to get in the news. I want to be a journalist. This is my thing. Like what, what led to that? <laughs> I don't, I'm not even going to ask what the turnoff was and, and knowing that you're done because right. I, I was a journalist as well. And I, I, that's why I exited. I, I knew it was time as well. Logan was in mass comm and, and worked at the stations as well. So we get that, but I guess I would say like, <laughs> how, how did you get started in that though? Well, I think I was one of those like like as a as a kid, like a like a young kid, I was one of those people who like I wanted to do all of it. I wanted to be like a police officer and a soccer player <laughs> and, a, yeah. and a rock star and like all of these things. And then once I, I got sort of Yeah, I think like I probably knew probably around the age of fifteen, I, I was pretty convinced that I was gonna be a journalist of some kind. Mm-hmm. I always enjoyed writing and I always enjoyed storytelling. And I, I often say that it's like I always knew I wanted to be a storyteller. I just it just took me a while to figure out what kind of storyteller I wanted to be. Mm. Um, and yeah, journalism was of all these things that had to do with storytelling and and talking to a lot of different people and and having an excuse to ask a lot of dumb questions. <laughs> it all sort of because I enjoyed that part of journalism. You get to ask all the questions that you know, some might perceive as dumb or you're not necessarily supposed to ask. I, you know, you, 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 you're, it's your job to be curious. Absolutely. And uh, that was all a draw for me. And it just, journalism seemed, that was the most obvious thing I could think of that that uh, fit my skill set and, and my interests. And I, I really enjoyed getting my degree, like, like studying to become a journalist. I enjoyed all of that. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, man. Okay, good. I just wanted to clarify the background there because I, I, I was like, uh, it's an, it's interesting. And we were just talking before we started the interview about how so many of our guests, and I don't even know if you're aware, but so many in the industry on the acting side, at some point were in some sort of journalism or broadcast media. It's like crazy how many of us there are. <laughs> like, yeah, that's kind of interesting. I, I think like I felt like with journal. I mean, part of the Part of the thing I got jaded with, there are a number of reasons, but part of it was also sort of the journalism industry at large feels like I did a little bit of like kind of hard news journalism, like sort of get it out as soon as possible. So there's like, there's a fire on highway, blah, 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 like get there fast kind of thing. And um, it just sort of, it, it felt a little bit meaningless to me to, I didn't feel like, I felt like it, it didn't matter that I was there. I mean, it, I mean, you know, it's good to document these things, but I didn't feel like I was making any kind of difference being there. And right. I just, I feel like my stories as an actor at least potentially can have a bigger impact. Mm. Oh, definitely, definitely. And with having a bitter, bigger impact and coming from that journalism background, have you ever thought about getting behind the camera? I've seen you've been a producer on a couple of things, but have you ever thought about writing or directing anything? Um, I have thought, my, my partner is actually a writer now, a screenwriter. And that's something that like, it's a little bit daunting to me, not, not the writing so much as the rewriting. Mm, yeah. Oh yeah. Revisions are a that, bitch. That is just required. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I actually like 
in my sort of figuring out what I wanted to do, I wrote like a, I had a whole draft for a novel, I don't know, 10 years ago. And then once it got to rewrite, I was like, no, that's not, that's not for me, at least not at this point in time. Right, right. So it's, it was kind of a great creative process to get all that out and say, like, I finished it. It's just not like you couldn't possibly publish that. Like, it's just not publishable. Well, yeah, exactly, but, uh, exactly. And, and, yeah, uh, yeah. but look, I, mean, I, I have to say, I think you're doing all right in front of the camera. Right. I mean, lo- <laughs> lo- looking at that, the yeah. list of accomplishments and the shows that you've been on and the projects that you is insane, man. And one, we're going to, we're right. going to, we're going to jump to one right away because as we have a massive fan block of Arrowverse fans, obviously, but we also have a massive fan block of Supernatural fans. And like anytime we mention anybody has been on Supernatural, they go crazy. And of course, you yeah. were on Supernatural. Uh, I feel like that's a rite of passage if you're in Vancouver, right? You gotta you gotta go and get with the boys and be on Supernatural. Yeah, definitely. That's like, I mean, I can't think of many shows that have run for longer than that, except for soap opera. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that, yeah, no, that was that was. I, I think that was one of the first shows I auditioned for. So not for that part that I ended up booking, but it was one of the first shows I think I auditioned for in Vancouver as a professional auditioning actor. Right. And no small role. I mean, Bobby's son, bro. Yeah, right. (laughs) I got to imagine, did that bring some hate? Because I feel like Bobby was like much the dad figure, you know, and and, and beloved by so many. So like when he, oh, wait a minute, Bobby got a son? He can't replace the boys? Like, I mean, it, what, what was that like? And the fandom, if you will. Talk about that a little bit, man. No, I mean, the, the at least the feedback that, that got back to me was, was, uh, was mostly positive. <laughs> well, that's uh, good. That's good. I mean... Because I mean, I guess part of it, in terms of, I was never in danger of of, of stealing um, <laughs> stealing the role of a beloved son because I wasn't too nice to him. Anyway. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you have been on several shows though that have like these huge fandoms. What do you think about that? Like this, just I mean, there, there's good and bad sides, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's fun. I mean, especially all these like genre shows and a lot of genre shows film in Vancouver and that they just seem to have like whether it's like fantasy or horror, they just seem to have such like it's not necessarily that they have more fans than, you know, a, a straight up drama. It's just they have some that are so hardcore fans. Like I'm sure there are fans who know way more about my character on Supernatural than I do. Oh yeah. <laughs> no doubt. No oh, yeah, doubt. No doubt. Like absolutely. It's just and it's one of those you know, it's almost intimidating, but but it's also it's it's fun to be it's fun to be a part of and it's fun to see like, you know, sort of just some of my my friends from I sometimes refer to before acting as as my other life. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they it's fun to see friends from, you know, this other life come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, my God, I saw you on this show. It's my favorite show, whatever, whether, you know, whatever the show is. It's kind of fun to be like, oh, I didn't know you watched that. It's like it's kind of fun to, like, pop up in people's um, minds and screens, people I haven't seen for, for years and years. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's cool. I, I, um, I, don't, I don't know that I think so much about it when I'm, if I'm auditioning for a show or working on a show. Right. Like that, what the fan base is, but, but it's, it's more of the sort of aftermath and when the show comes out and, and I try to sort of keep track of the, you know, the, say the social media of those shows and, and what, what the fans say about those shows. It's kind of, it's kind of quirky and fun. Definitely. And I mean, you were on, I, 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 well, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. 
I was gonna. No, say- I was just gonna say it's like I, the the only time I do think about it maybe is if it's like a show that I'm a really big fan of and I get to work on it. Mm, yeah, definitely. There you go. There you go. And I was about to say, I mean, you were on a huge show during the summer, uh, the Haunting of Bly Manor. I mean, Netflix was pumping out some hits and during that time. I mean, Queen's Gambit and then this one, everybody was talking about it. So what was it like? The casting process for that first, and then just being on set for that one. Yeah, that was actually that's like example of what i was just saying because it's i mean essentially season two of the haunting of hill house right exactly and the haunting of hill house i don't know where they filmed that but it was not in vancouver mm. and uh i i love that show so much that i actually when i saw that the blind manor was coming to vancouver i did tell my agent just like get me an audition for this if you can i don't care what the part is i really don't care i just love to be involved any way shape or form and uh yeah he got me this audition which when I got the audition, it was, I think it was scripted as wedding guest. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the scene that I auditioned with was just like a conversation with the bride. And that's all I knew. Oh, wow. All the, sort of, all the big twists and turns. I didn't, and I was like, I, I'm one of those people. I'll just like, because I wanted to be on the show. I like, I was reading the turn of the screw to just like know as much as possible. And which is like the main book that it's based on. Mm-hmm. And a really dense book, like it's it's, it's hard. Oh yeah, <laughs> like and it's uh yeah no it's not like it's not like one of those you just like flip through it in an afternoon. It's a I don't know I, it was difficult at least for me it was difficult to read, but got through this whole book just to sort of understand what the world was and who the main characters were. And yeah, again auditioning for it, I was just like I don't this isn't in the book. I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I got the offer i i mean i guess you're okay with me spoiling it assuming the, the of course of course man we're all about spoilers yeah, okay. just throw them out there <laughs> got it okay no i won't spoil stuff that isn't out yet but since it's been out for a while um <laughs> so spoiler alert if you have not seen the haunting of blind man but i uh i got the offer in and it said older miles mm. and then i got really confused because in the book miles actually dies when he's a young boy right so I was just like, maybe I'm a ghost. <laughs> you right. me on set or something. I don't know. So I, I, didn't, I didn't know until I got to the scripts for the last episode exactly how it all fit together. And isn't like that... I knew I was an older version of Miles, but I didn't know in what capacity. I had no idea. But isn't that sometimes the best way? Like when you don't know and you're as surprised as everybody else when you're doing it? I mean, I feel like that's got to be fun for a performer sometimes. It is, especially as a fan of the show. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I, and I didn't know because, uh, you know, I was, you know, only, quote unquote, in the first and last episode of the mm-hmm. show. So I didn't know. I, I knew where they ended up, but I didn't know how they were going to get there. Nice. Yeah. So th- so you got to cool. still be so a fan. I, yeah. I, yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, again, since I was already a fan of the show, it's great that at least there was so much of it. I didn't know how it was going to unfold. So, okay, so now we have to talk because it's funny. I'm thinking back and you said, oh, when I was little, I wanted to be a policeman and I wanted to be this and I wanted to be a rock star. And then you were a rock star. How many people get to actually live out the dream, man? I mean, (laughs) to play, well, I mean, to play, one, I mean, I don't know if you're a comic book geek, but, uh, you know, but one, the idea of like even making an appearance on the Arrowverse is huge because it's huge. I mean, and everybody knows if you're on the Arrowverse, you'll get seen. People will know who you are. That's guaranteed. So to find out you're going to be in the Arrowverse and then to find out, well, I'm going to be David Bowie in the Arrowverse. I mean, talk about that, dude. That's, that's, like legendary no pun intended you know 
it's so funny just like you mentioning the Arrowverse at large as well because my first ever audition for for you know for not a student film or mm-hmm. indie like first right. professional paid would be paid role was for Arrow. No, not you the <laughs> Arrow, for the show Arrow. Yeah. And, I can't, you know, season two or three, a small, like one line kind of thing. And, um, and it's funny because especially starting out, I feel like every time I didn't book a part, I was like, ah, damn it. I was like, I mean, I was shortlisted or whatever. And you're so like just burning to, well, you just, you know, we just want to work. Right. Like everyone exactly. else want to work. And then it's just like, it's one of those things where in hindsight, if I had booked any of those parts, I wouldn't have been available for David Bowie because you kind of get burned for all the, all the other shows in the same universe. Right. Yep. With, with a few exceptions, you can't really play characters across the shows. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Unless you're, unless, <laughs> unless you're one of those that's doing the big crossover event, you're not exactly bouncing from show to show. You're right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, and, and if you play one character on one show and another character on another show, it sort of, it, it, it uh, it kills the illusion of these shows being in the same world. Oh, absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. So talk about that, like the, the casting process for the Arrowverse. Is it, is it, we, you know, we talk about all the time, the, the Marvel side of it all. It's very secretive and very hush hush and black cars. Mm-hmm. And if you say, uh, is it the same, uh, you know, we've interviewed several dozen people, Catherine McNamara and a bunch of people that were in the Arrowverse shows and stuff, and they've all kind of had different stories. So talk about your story a little bit about what the audition process was like. Did you know right away you were playing Bowie? Yes, I did. That was um, basically what I auditioned with was that sort of main scene in the in the um, in the first episode of season six, where I talk to to uh, Nick, right. and then the rest of them come in, and I start sort of noodling and try to write a song kind of live. That was like that was basically my audition. So oh, I, okay. I knew who I was playing, and I knew what. I didn't know it was, I don't remember if I knew it was 1977. So I had to sort of take a guess at kind of what era Bowie. Right. Because even David Bowie was so many characters. Oh, right? absolutely. <laughs> um, and it's funny, I, I had some, some, some friends here as well who also auditioned for Bowie and we just sort of watched each other's tapes. And it was really, and these are great actors. And it really just, I don't know the process on the casting side of things, but just looking at some of these other tapes, it's just like, it's, it's not about who the better actor is. It's just like, which Bowie do you want? Right, right. Which is, which is really interesting and really cool. And, and this was also, <laughs> in a totally practical sense, it was, it was a self-tape because of the pandemic and everything was locked down. Yeah. So I taped it in my living room and it was the first studio thing that I had booked off something I taped in my living room. So there was just that thing of like, oh, okay, I know that like, my setup here is okay. I don't need to buy more like fancy <laughs> microphones. Or just, right. like, it's so easy to go, go down a rabbit hole where you think you need to spend thousands on great equipment. Right. And you, you know, you want to be seen and heard, but, but you don't need to break the bank. That's it. Which is just like good for me. Okay. Like that's the proof is in the pudding. I don't, you know, what I have is great. Exactly. Exactly. And you did shoot this um, thing during COVID. So how was that like on set? Did you feel comfortable? Did they make all the accommodations? Yeah. I, you know what? I'll say I've worked on, I worked on a couple of smaller sort of indie projects and then I've worked on a commercial and three different shows during the pandemic. And those like, they have like COVID teams and COVID people assigned and they have been phenomenal on all of them. And uh, very much legends, very much included. They were great. And they, you know, test everyone all the time and, and have all these protocols about distancing and wearing a mask and all this stuff. So oh, yeah, there's just learning the, basics of the rules and and 
it's not rocket science. I think um, <laughs> I feel very, very comfortable with that. And and you know, the, I'm sure for crew, for some crew, it's it's a big difference. I think I feel like for actors, that, or at least for me as an actor, it's not that big of a difference. It's like we do our blocking and rehearsing, still wearing the mask, which is like a little bit weird, mm-hmm. but you get you get over it, you get used to it, you deal with it, and then yeah, once you know, as just before the camera rolls, we take off our masks and we're ready to go. There you go. Fantastic. So I think as far as, yeah, as far as the pandemic goes, at least from the actor's point of view, from this actor's point of view, not that big of a difference. Well, that's good because we've talked to a lot of different people who have been filming during the pandemic and they all have said that they felt comfortable. Everybody was doing the zone thing, box lunches, like testing every day or at least symptoms or talking about symptoms. I might be snacking less because you have to go up and tell them like, what you want whereas right yeah. Yeah. no buffet just, spread like, kind of <laughs> self-feed and uh yeah i just like i love eating so <laughs> <laughs> all right good good to know good to know see it's things like that that the people need to know man we we need yeah. to know that you love to eat um uh, yeah yeah i'm curious <laughs> though were you a bowie fan before like you you got it did you have some insight into bowie or what oh i definitely a fan i was uh again in my previous life i was I played in a band, you know, not like a big professional band, but I played in an indie band. There you go. In my like, I don't know, seven, eight years, late, late teens, early twenties. Yeah. And I just, I just, I, I played bass and I would do like backing vocals, but I, and I played, I sang in a couple of choirs as well in my teens. Okay. And I loved all right. it all. And I loved singing, but I never considered myself a leading singer. Mm. Uh, but, but and now- I'm very shy. I, I'm, I'm very shy about singing. <laughs> <laughs> I like singing. I, I like singing in a choir because I know I can carry a tune and I can kind of blend in with everyone and we each, each voice supports the other kind of thing. But like, right, right. yeah, this was like, that was, uh, that was, yeah, that was nerve wracking. Suddenly both singing as a lead singer and one of the greatest singers in history, in my opinion. And then also, I mean, I had to, it's me singing, but I still had to do my best to try to sing like Dave Poe. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. And if anybody um, out there wants to go back and try to find young Thomas's band, Cave. It was Cave, oh, guys. Cave. So, yeah, there you go. Check that out. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody is scanning yeah. now the internet to see if they can find any footage <laughs> anywhere of that, which would be epic. So, hey, just want to throw this out there before we move on, too. You know, this is Arrowverse Legends, and they bounce all over the timeline. So, you know, is there, are you happy with Bowie? Because you could potentially show up as a different Bowie or an an older Bowie, you know, so anywhere in the timeline, right? They could they could revisit you. That's true. I was thinking about that, and I didn't even know after booking it. I didn't know until they I got into they were. It, I'm wearing a wig for the show. They were like, "Do we dye your hair, or are we going to put right. a wig on you?" And they had decided, and um, <laughs> so I didn't really know what what I was going to look like until sort of kind of last minute. Oh well, but yeah, no, I I mean, I'd love to do like multiple. <laughs> multiple bowies hell yeah <laughs> that that's the beauty about getting booked on legends because it's all over the timeline there's always a chance you can come back right yep that's yeah. so no, great that's, that's that's true it's cool hell and yeah the show is so that show is so it's so ludicrous it's so outrageous that yeah anything can happen. yeah it, it it's like the non cable or non-streaming version of doom patrol right like that's the arrow versus (laughs) doom patrol where they're just all over the map crazy and you never know what storyline you're getting and it's just yeah i love that though it's like no me too it's so much fun i mean it's it's like 
trying to explain to, you know, like, I don't know, parents or something like that, that it's like, okay, so it's a show about <laughs> time-traveling superheroes, and there's a clone, and uh, also now aliens, and like, it's just like, That's right. whatever you can think of is on the show. <laughs> <laughs> that Hell was yeah. a pretty good explanation. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, with all this awesome stuff going on, I mean, we also want to get serious a little bit, because something that's happened in your life has also touched home for us, and I mean, it's... It's an important thing to talk about because a lot of things in life, you have hurdles, you have things you have to try to get over to try to meet your goal. And that we're talking about your mother's uh, Alzheimer's disease and someone in our family Mm -hmm. as well has onset Alzheimer's. And so we want to talk about that a little bit and how like how that didn't derail you, because a lot of people would just completely, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I have to. Uh, focus all of my attention on this situation, but you just kept moving forward because it was at the beginning of your career. It was actually because you said how it didn't derail me. Mm-hmm. It actually re- it actually inspired me to 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 go from hobby actor to just go like fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all the way, see what I can make of this, and and just like throw caution at the wind kind of thing. Not because of the diagnosis itself, but because my my parents told me. A few days after they found out Mm -hmm. and my mom was I think 58 when she was diagnosed Mm -hmm. and uh and yeah and they were just telling me that like yeah so we're selling the house we're moving we're gonna find a smaller apartment that's gonna be easier to adjust as the disease gets worse and then once we move there we're just gonna be traveling and traveling and traveling and traveling and just basically doing all the stuff they were gonna do after retiring Mm -hmm. right we're just gonna now and I was so inspired. I I just thought that was so courageous because I just, to me, it's the most terrifying disease, just like literally losing your mind. It's, right. It's, you know, it's terrifying. And it's it's awful to see that deterioration for the people you love the most, for anyone. Um, but yeah, just the courage to just like, all right, well, if we don't know how many years we've got left, but we're going to make the very best of it. And I was just kind of like, well, what am I, what am I pussyfooting around for? What am I scared of? Like, you know, looking like a fool or not making it. I don't know. So I just, that was a really, a very, um, yeah, that was a, <laughs> that was a really significant moment for me as a person and for my career. Cause it just, it just spurred me to just, just go for it. Well, and I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that you, sh- that you shared it because I think it is going to inspire a lot of people because I feel like so many people in life do unfortunately wait for that something tragic to happen before they realize. And, you know, you should live every day like it could be your last day and you should be out there doing whatever you want to do and, and taking chances and taking risks and living the dream because you never know when your last day will be or something will happen Absolutely. to make it, you know. So why not get out there and do it? And like you said, what what's the risk? You fail? Okay, so you failed. But at least you tried and didn't wait your whole life to do it. I mean, I think it's very inspiring uh, and very courageous and kudos to you for sharing that and and letting the listeners hear that because i think it's important man no i appreciate you bringing it up i think so too it's it's um it's not like i don't know this is sort of an a proper way of saying it but it's not a very sexy disease it's not a disease that everyone knows a lot about like i knew that it was a form of dementia and i had a basic understanding of what that was beforehand but i didn't really know what it was and right I still don't really know what it is but but just yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's really important to talk about these things and also talk about them as as I don't know all these like it's an awful awful disease. But these things are part of life. That's and right. It's, it's uh yep. And it's well, just, look, it look, doesn't man. not it, it doesn't stop being part of life if we by us not talking about them. Absolutely, it, it actually 
for me, it loses some of its its dangerous power when I talk about it. Yep, that's exactly right. With with any whether it's disease or whether it's it's social issues, you know, with everything going on in society today, it's all about that dialogue, that conversation, and getting it out there. Because you're right, the the more you talk about it, the more it's out there, the less effective it is to 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 have a chance to hurt you and to, and to, and to be able to disrupt people. It's so yeah, conversation. It's all about the dialogue, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so now that we've darkened everything up, <laughs> let's bring it back up. Let, let, let's bring it back up a little bit. All these awesome things that you've been on and all these things that we were talking about just a few minutes before, before we got really deep, there's got to be an embarrassing moment, right? There's got to be a moment, whether you were on set or on stage or even during the journalism thing, that you were like, damn, did that just happen? Give us one, man. What's your most embarrassing moment on stage or on set? Oh, I mean, I actually had, and this was way back in, when I did community theater, but it's, and I, I don't know, like what I was like, 18-ish. This is the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. I was about, about 18 on stage, played the re- lead role in a, in a play, a Danish play that you probably would never have heard of. <laughs> and I, I think like about 250 people in the theater and it's opening night. And the play opens with me stepping out onto the scene, uh, just pitch black scene, and then spotlight on me. And then I had this opening monologue, and like I just completely blank. Oh shit! <laughs> like, I, I, I totally like. I think the like the director sat in the audience and just shouted the line out to me, and then like I was awesome, and like it was fine. But it was just like you know, it was just like probably five seconds that felt like ten hours of. <laughs> Right. <laughs> a literal deer in headlight moment. The spotlight comes up and you're like totally just oh, totally. frozen. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. <laughs> and you're so right. When that happens, it's like five seconds or not. It feels like an eternity, man. And look, let's be honest. It feels like an eternity for the audience too. They're like, is this part of the show? Is this supposed to be silent? Like, is what he is this okay? going on? Yeah. I know. Like, I know. <laughs> and look like, you know, if it happens on set, it's like cut. Let's do that again. Yeah, like, yeah, or exactly. Like, or sometimes, you know, sometimes we'll do a take, and there's like a middle of the scene, like we fuck up some lines or something like that, and then you'll still end up using the second half of that take because that was the best second half of the take because right. you made that mistake or whatever. Like, um, but yeah, on stage, it's, you just gotta find a way out of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Our guest last week, she literally said she ran back on stage because she heard her cue, but in the middle of that, she was eating M and M's, so she had a full mouth of M and M's trying to get out of her li- out of her lines, and like she was like choking on stage. It was it was just bad. It was just bad. So we understand. Uh, we understand, man. I mean, we've all been there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I think like I, I think that's this is one of the things I'm I'm I feel like I'm stepping more and more into it in my sort of understanding of the craft. Really, is you just gotta be willing to make a fool of yourself. Hell yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's such a fine line, and you do you make a choice for something, and and again, it's kind of cheaper on set because if it's the wrong choice, you just film it again. But but you just gotta risk i mean depending on the role but sometimes you just really got to risk being making a complete fool of yourself and then just change it up if it wasn't the thing and sometimes i find i need to make the completely wrong choice to find the right one Ooh, that's good i like that, that. that that's a t-shirt right there like <laughs> I, I like that <laughs> and that's the beauty of theater though because you can literally do a different performance of the same show every night to a different audience and you get to do that so i mean that's the beauty of it 
It's, I remember I did a play called uh, By the Sea, By the Sea, By the Beautiful Sea a few years ago. And it's, I don't know, a comedic drama or a dramedy, whatever. Right. And I remember we had two audiences these two nights in a row. And the experience, I felt like the performance was probably re- quite similar, like for the whole cast. Mm-hmm. Right. But the, uh, it was received so different. It was, they were both like very positive experiences, but just one audience just got all the laughs. And then the other audience just leaned into the sort of emotional undercurrent of the play. Ooh. And they weren't like bored or anything like that. They were just, you know, crying with us instead. It was just, it was so cool that you can. Oh, well, that sounds, yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't, I, I wasn't aware of doing anything different, but it was just a different energy in the whole room. Right. And that goes way back to the very beginning of this interview where you said that that you enjoy the acting because of the impact that you can make. And that's a great example to be able to impact people in a way to where they feel joy and happiness. And in the same turn and in the same show, but on a different night, be able to bring that impact to feel drama and emotion and pain. And like, that's so awesome, man. It's one of the beauties of being an actor, man. Yeah, no, that's true. Oh, man. But dude, this has been absolutely phenomenal. We loved having you on. You're Awesome. I mean, love talking to you about everything because we have a lot in common, to be honest with you. But what we like to do at the end of every interview, because like we told you, it is about helping the up-and-comers trying to break into the entertainment industry. So what Mm -hmm. advice would you give those up-and-comers trying to break into it, and what pitfalls would you say to try to avoid? I think uh, one thing that that became apparent to me quite recently, actually, was that many of my teachers – acting teachers with the best of intentions have said, and especially starting out have said, being an actor is hard. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard. And there's this like, almost like a reverence of the struggling artist. Like it's like, it's, you're going to like go further if you're like miserable. And, and it took me a really long time to just hear it. as like, that's not a rule. Like I can, I can have so much joy in this, even if I'm like not having any auditions or having tons of auditions and not booking any jobs. Like I can, I'm allowed to have fun. There's this idea that it's a, you're, I don't know that, that I just, yeah, that was like a recent thing for me that it's almost presented as if you're not booking jobs on big TV shows or movies, your, your life sucks. And that is just not true. It does not have to be true. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you put that out there because, yeah, a lot of people need to hear that because we talk about it all the time. It is literally like 90% auditioning and only like 10% working, and you've got to be happy with that. Otherwise, you're you're in the wrong gig, man. Totally. It's like if you have like 100 auditions in a year and you book 10 jobs, you've had a phenomenal year. Yeah, exactly. But you exactly. still had 90 auditions you didn't book. Yep. Well, that's great uh, advice, that bro. That was one of the questions. I I think you had two questions. I know. I'm really bad about the two questions thing. I apologize. (laughs) I'm sure you've noticed throughout this whole interview. But the second one was what pitfalls would you try to avoid? Right. I get, well, I guess there's a, there is a pitfall there as well. That's easy to, to, it's easy to, I mean, it's almost the same answer, but it's easy to think that two things, actually, it's easy to think you're not a good actor if you're not booking work. Mm-hmm. That may be true, but it absolutely does not have to be true. Mm. Uh, and the other thing is goes into the sort of uh, being miserable that it's really, really, really easy, especially in this industry and the way people glorify famous actors. And for good reason, a lot of them are phenomenal. But it's really easy to equate being a good actor with being a, a worthy human being. And uh, I, I think like it's really this might sound really cheesy, but I, I, I get a lot out of and I build a lot of confidence from practicing gratitude of everything not just acting stuff but like everything else and then just 
when it's not busy in my acting career or I'm not booking those jobs, I still have all these other things that I can enjoy. And it's just, I think it's a pitfall to just really think if you're not booking jobs, you're, you're not worthy. And it's, mm. it's like, that's just a, it's such an easy path to go down, but absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Solid. Both the advice and the pitfall to look out for. And I mean, you've been lucky. Clearly, you've referenced your partner numerous times. And it, I think it always helps to have a strong support system of people around you as well to make sure, you know, that you are grateful for the things that you have when things aren't going right. You know, so, yeah, good, great advice. Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess it's more advice, but like uh, some of the people were already in my life and I, I have become a lot better and not exactly cutthroat, but I have become a lot better at surrounding myself with people that, that are like, I want to be like those people in terms of like, I, you know, I think hard work that like, that'll take you so far. And mm. then as you're working hard, you will learn to work smartly as well, but work hard, work hard, work hard. That's and it. then like, if you surround yourself with other people who work really hard, that will encourage yourself to work really hard. But if you surround yourself with people who are just like, ah, let's, let's skip rehearsal and go out for drinks. And that's, it's it's harder to to stick to the things you want to change about yourself yep. or do the person you want to be. So well, see, yeah, surround yourself with yeah, with no, people. yeah, you can, people you, can, you you yeah. Yeah, and you can say cutthroat because as important as it is to surround yourself with the right people, it's also just as important to cut the people that aren't the right people out. So you can definitely say it's okay no, to be. It, it is. It's and okay. It's, and it's not even a. It's not necessarily a question of whether you like certain people or not. And 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 you know, I, I have this conversation with actors often, and sometimes it's someone in the family, and it's not that like you know, cut them out of the family. It's just uh, be 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 selective of how you spend time with certain people. That's it. That's it. Well. I, there's only one thing we can think of left to say, and that's where can everybody follow you? Uh, it's, it is the world of social media, and um, where can we oh, follow yes. you? Uh, I think my handle – I'm sitting in front of my laptop now, so I might as well just check to be sure. But I have a <laughs> hand. yeah, my handle is NicholsonDK on Instagram and Twitter. Okay. That's probably – yeah, yeah. There you I'm go. Born in city, so I'm not on so I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> we understand what um, i mean if, if you're not putting out david bowie tiktok videos bro you're you're failing okay let's get on that all right uh, come on now <laughs> well listen man thanks so much for like just hanging with us and chatting man uh, i mean it's been a great conversation open invite anytime you want to come back if you if you have something to promote or if you want to just come chit chat or you know throw down with us that's awesome and uh it's been great man thanks so much it's been such a pleasure Yep, absolutely, dude. Take care, and we'll be in touch soon, buddy. Sounds good. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So good. So good. Not letting anything derail him. Yeah, no. And I just, I feel like that throughout that entire interview, it was positivity. Mm -hmm. It, It was grateful. Passion and positivity were those three themes that he just brought, and I think that's why he's been so successful. Exactly, exactly. Thank you again, Thomas, for coming on the show. All right, now it is time for the top five segment, man. What? Man, America's sweetheart. You guys know her. We love her. It is top five Julia Robert films this week. It is. Oh, it's so hard to choose just five. I mean, seriously, like like every film Julia Roberts did is fantastic. Exactly. Okay, maybe not every film, but almost every film she did. A good majority. Like, a yeah, good yeah. Majority. This, is a good, this is a tough one for sure, but it I, is. It is. Uh, my number five goes to Mexican. That one with Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts. Oh, just and fucking Tony Soprano's in it. He plays a gay guy, which is completely different than fucking Tony <laughs> Soprano. But I love this one because it's basically about a relationship that tries to protect each other when somebody 
thinks they're doing the right thing but gets themselves into some trouble and i mean we all need to learn from all that shit but i'm i just if you haven't seen this one it's a lesser known but it's definitely worth the watch i mean like i said brad pitt and julia roberts come on now so yeah my number five Yes, that's a good one. My number five is a lesser known also, but is a cult favorite and stars a bunch of people. I'm talking about Mystic Pizza from the resident creator, Amy Holden Jones. Uh-huh. Not only does it star Julia Roberts, but it has an infant Matt Damon. I'm not even kidding you. He's like a youngin, like barely sitting at the big table, like, you know, youngin. Um, It's about a group of girls that are coming of age story working at a pizza place. And uh, it's fantastic. It's it's your typical coming of age story, but the cast is phenomenal. It's one of Julia's very first before the huge breakout roles. And uh, it's definitely worth going to check out. Like I said, just for like sitting at the the big boy table, Matt Damon, like (laughs) – It's a great one, though. Check it out. Check it out. Definitely, definitely. Well, number four, I actually just watched this one the past year, and which I don't know why I haven't watched this one before that, but I'm talking about Notting Hill. Mm. This one's so freaking good. This is a classic love story. I'm just a boy standing in front of a girl. I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy. Like, it's so good. I mean... If you haven't seen this one, where have you been? Where have I been? I've been behind the times, okay? I'm sorry, but it's honestly so good. Her and Hugh Grant, I mean, before Hugh Grant went off the deep end a little bit. But, like I said, it's just really good. That movie made everybody want to paint their door red. Yeah. I, just fact. Fact. I can see that. Okay? that That's how that movie went down. You wanted a red door. It's fine. It's fine. So if you're ever driving through a neighborhood and you see a red door, you'll know exactly what movie they watched. Yeah. Fact. Okay, my number four, Wonder. It's one of her recent ones, right? Oh, my gosh. So good. With Jacob Tremblay where she plays the mom. And uh, he's like this like very introverted kind of a guy and scared to be out and about. And like uh, it, it just a freaking fantastic film from start to finish based on the book. Um, and Julie Roberts is just phenomenal in the role of the mother and, and, and uh, Owen Wilson. And just, guys, if you have not seen this film, you need to seriously check it out, okay? You will cry um, you so will much. definitely freaking cry. Uh, it is one of the rare ones that made me cry. I don't cry very much, but that one did bring some tears to my eyes. Check that shit out. Great performance. Yes, definitely, definitely. Well, number three for me is Runaway Bride, which is the trying to capitalize on Julia and Richard train. But, you know, it's still a good film. I think it was still a good film. Classic love story. Great rom-com. Definitely. My my number three. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My number three I'm actually in. Yeah, try to find me. It's the fountain scene. Just check it out. It's like at the at a the along the river. There's a mall. There's a giant fountain. I'm in that crowd when the bullets start and the people start running. That's me. I'm in there somewhere. Just find me. I'm talking about the Pelican Brief with Denzel Washington. Uh, phenomenal film. Just when she's starting to hit it big, her and Denzel are fantastic together um it's just it's obviously about the law pelican brief you know you know and there's some some killings and some suspense and takes place all in new orleans and everything but a fantastic film if you're a fan of denzel you're a fan of julia roberts and you haven't already seen this film first what the fuck and two go do it go watch it the pelican brief yes yes and number two for me i mean i've talked about this one multiple times such a star stubbed cast oceans 11 Mm. oh my goodness i'm just saying i'm just saying if it was a perfect world my perfect world 
Julia Roberts and George Clooney would be together. That's such a good-looking couple. I'm just saying, like... But then also Brad Pitt's in that from Mexican, so it's like love triangle right there. What but, about Richard Gere? They're goddamn good together, I'm just saying! I mean, yeah, Richard Gere and her, amazing. But George Clooney and Julia Roberts. Such a good movie. Ocean's Eleven, Tess and Danny. Tess and Danny. Yeah. Um, Yep. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Number two on my list. Ah, oh, it's you haven't seen it yet, have you? I have. Oh, you have. Okay. Have you? But we haven't gone to the town yet. I gotta take you to the town. No. It's fantastic. I'm talking, of course, about Steel Magnolias. Julia Roberts' epic performance as Shelby, um, Sally Field, Olympia Dukakis, Dolly Parton, Daryl Hannah, just like an unbelievable fucking cat. Dermot Mulroney. So fucking good. Um, based all on a real town and real people written from the heart. Um, it, it's absolutely brilliant. And Julia Roberts and Sally Field have like the most iconic moments in that film. And um, I, I don't know. I, I just can't say enough. Uh, I met the actual character that Olympia Dukakis plays. I've been to the town numerous times. It's just – it's amazing. And I think um, – it's one of my favorite performances from all of those actresses ever, especially Julia Roberts, and um, it's just it's brilliant. If you have not seen Steel Magnolia, you didn't say the line. I'm disappointed. Uh, you didn't say the line. Uh, which one? I tried to tell you when you're together, but you're never together. That one. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, the one that's, I was that's waiting that's the for. One. <laughs> <laughs> I thought those he's gonna lead with that's that. No, no, yeah, but that's it, man. Sally Field be dropping it on Shelby. I tried to tell you when you're together, but you're never together. <laughs> Uh, oh, so and oh good. my gosh, and Top Gun guy, like uh, Tom Skerritt, when yeah. he's shooting at the fucking birds in the tree, and the, the big Cujo dog. Comes so out. funny. So good, man. So good. So and, funny. I mean, it was a given, right? The number yeah. one. For both of us. Pretty woman. I mean, duh. <laughs> it's so good. It's absolutely, I mean, it's the definition of the 80s. I mean, everything about it, right? Like when she's trying to eat the oysters, or when he snaps a thing on her ring, or when her th- uh, binoculars don't work, or him climbing up with the fucking umbrella as the sun. There's not a single thing in the fucking movie that isn't brilliant. It's what made her America's sweetheart. Um, Her in that red dress. The <laughs> iconic laugh. Like. Yeah, I mean, just everything. And Hector, we talk about Julia Roberts and Richard Gere, right? But Hector Alessandro steals that movie. He does. Right? Without him, she ain't pretty woman. Yeah. That's all. Cinder fucking Rella. Like, I, we got to talk about that, too. The best friend, you know? I, I, it's just so... Br- Gary Marshall at his best. Degree. Gary Marshall at his best. Um, Pretty woman. Number yeah, one. definitely, definitely. Guys, what is your top five Julia Roberts movie? We want to know. Or your top one. What's your favorite Julia Roberts movie? Be sure to leave a comment on social media, on the YouTube section, or on the podcast section, because we love the fan interaction. Now, heading over to the box office recap. Spiral doing really well. Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson, you know the Saw story or whatever the fuck. Uh, it came in at number one with four and a half million <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, number two was Wrath of Man with 2.9 million. Number three was Those Who Wish Me Dead with 1.8 million. Number four was Ryan the Last Dragon with 1.7. And number five was Godzilla vs. Kong with 1.4. Yes. And new movies coming out. We've mentioned a couple of them multiple times during the show. A Quiet Place Part 2. 
Cruella, Funhouse, American Trader, and Endangered Species. Just forget three, four, and five. Make sure you go see A Quiet Place Part Two and Cruella this weekend. Exactly. That's all you gotta do. All right, you want to keep the box office alive? See those two movies. Exactly, and definitely, I really think that Quiet Place Part Two is gonna be number one. Well, yeah, it starts Fantastic Four. At least two of them. Exactly. I'm just throwing that out there. I think Foggy's full of shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> movies you can still go see: Demon Slayer, uh, The Mugen Train, Mortal Kombat, Scoob, Finding You, and so much more now heading over to the imdb pro top trending segment you guys know what it is we love it we love it uh the top trending movie this week is venom let there be carnage uh tv show is jupiter's legacy which i need to catch up on because i've never watched any of it but a whole bunch of people are talking about it yeah so it looks pretty badass and the top trending star is Elena Camporis. Yeah. You know, Jupiter's Legacy, it's one of those things, like the, the way you either love it or you fucking hate it. Yeah. There's like no in-between. If you if you look at everybody talking about it, they either think it's like great or they fucking hate it. That's <laughs> like, funny. They can't find any in-between. I liked it. Yeah. I, I like it. Go, man. So good. So good. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in for episode 163 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We'll see you guys in three to four weeks. We appreciate all of your understanding but we are filmmakers first and foremost and we're so super excited we got to thank our guest one more time thomas nicholson for coming on the show be sure to follow him on social media he's on twitter and instagram yes you guys know you can follow the company and the podcast on social media at crazy ant media and at itcalf podcast you guys know you can also follow us both personally on social media myself at jlo fantastic and, and- me at crazy and guy 1970 and you guys know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast anchor apple podcast spotify google play music iHeartRadio, podbean stitcher and so much more if you're watching this video on youtube be sure to leave a like on the video subscribe to the channel and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications we appreciate it and be sure to visit our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear new pride gear right now today is the last day for the 20 percent off so be sure to get it while supplies last honestly there was so much good stuff but i mean of course it was talking about the friends reunion for me i knew was there any doubt that that would be it right like of course mine as always all the marvel stuff but i was super pumped about the shogun series coming call me crazy but that's my thing man i love shogun so i was super pumped about that and i really did enjoy the interview because i think we do it better than anybody else where we can have really fun time with our guests but also get really deep and into some social stuff and some some stuff that matters and um i think we do that better than anybody else and that was one of my favorite parts of the show for sure agreed agreed and you know who else gets deep deeper than almost us (laughs) oprah